Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. So I've been talking last, well, I said, I said the last couple of weeks, I've been meaning to talk the last couple of weeks about who God is. Under the concept, the idea, I've been trying to, I'm, I'm going to try to over the next few weeks, however many weeks that takes, um, or until I feel like we need to move on to something else, explain who he is, who God is, because of this reason. I think the reason people don't walk according to who they are is because they don't know who they belong to. It's hard for me to say my dad is and walk in confidence with that if I don't actually know who my dad is. And so we live this disempowered, disenfranchised life, this life that's defeated instead of the life of victory that Christ died to give us because we don't know who God is. And so last week or last time we were together, I, I talked about how God is merciful out of, out of Luke or Matthew chapter 18, I'm sorry, and and I think that was good. But today I just want to talk about very simply that he is knowable. And I don't mean, I was, I was praying over here before service as I often do. I don't, I don't typically spend a lot of time in worship when the rest of everybody's worshiping in the room. I pray, God, if this isn't what I'm supposed to say, don't let me say it. If you've got something else for me to say, let me say that. Um, but I, I feel like, I feel like we don't, quite grab a hold of the idea that he is knowable that i ask god show us who you are in your word i don't want to fluff it up i don't want to i don't want it to be some weird idea that of god that we have and all of us have this kind of a vague idea of who god is and in that vague idea we call on him only when we need help or where we're in trouble or when our world's upside down because we don't understand the true stability that he has to offer us in everything he is every moment of our day of every day and so we just god if you will or god if you can he will and he can and i'm not saying that in any kind of name it and claim it kind of way but if his word declares that he is a thing the word says that he is capable and he is peace and love and kindness and compassion and mercy and all these things that we're going to cover then that is exactly who he is. There's no question. The, the, the only question is, to what degree will you search after him to build your confidence in who he is? And I love, Pastor Rick and I were talking pre-service, I love his favorite verse, or what I think is his favorite verse. I don't know if it is or not, but it's one that he's said a 100,000 times since we've known him. What is it, Angela? Philippians 3.10, that I might know him, right? Anybody ever heard Pastor Rick quote always out of the, the other version? No, what's it, the Amplified because it's got like 75 adjectives to it. But, um, but it reads like this. I'm going to start not from 3.10, but from 3.7. It says, but whatever things were gained to me. This is Paul. And he was just talking in, at the beginning of chapter 3. He says, man, y'all don't know who I was. If anybody had confidence... In their flesh, it was me. Man, I was a Jew amongst Jews. I was completely blameless according to the law. 
which, of course, we know doesn't mean anything, which ultimately he came to realize doesn't mean anything. And he, so he's telling all this stuff. I had great zeal. I was a Pharisee, the persecutor of the church, as the righteous, which is in the, as into righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. And then in verse 7, he says this, But whatever things were gained to me, whatever things I have accomplished or attained, whatever thing, piece of paper I have on the wall, whatever, how important I think I am, how educated I think I am, how it doesn't matter. None of those things matter. My experiences previously don't matter. I strive towards a greater purpose. He says, I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Everything that I am. Man, we've done some great things here, but you know what? If I can't get over the victories of tomorrow, there'll be no, of yesterday, there'll be no victories for tomorrow. If I can't, but the same with the losses. If I can't get over the losses of yesterday, I can't get to the victories for tomorrow either. We have to let all that go. It doesn't matter who you were, what your pedigree says. What matters is that we, whatever things were gained to us, we count them as loss for the sake of Christ. He continues, he says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may, may gain Christ. Do y'all hear the, the earnestness in Paul's voice? I'm trying to at least give you an idea of what I believe the earnestness with which he was writing. He's in a prison. And he's saying, I don't care who I was. I don't care what I knew. I don't care what I accomplished. I count it all loss if I could just get a little bit more Jesus. If the church could just get a little bit more Jesus, if just a little bit greater understanding of what he did for us or who he is or what he's accomplished on our behalf and what he's gifted us with, both spiritually and physically, emotionally, if we could just grab a little bit of that, everything else would seem like rubbish. Man, Pastor Jim, you live in a nice house. It's trash. We built a new church. At the end of the day, it's trash. It went and God's going to burn it all to the ground. It's a useful tool to glorify God. But that's it. And so we have to count all things as rubbish. And that's good preaching right there, as Pastor Greg would say. More than that, I count all things a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ my Lord. I know I've already read this, but it's good. For whom I have suffered for the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, which you do not. I do not. I want to tell you, if nobody's told you this, there's no legalistic system that's going to create righteousness in you. The only thing that's going to create righteousness in you is the lordship of Christ Jesus and a declaration that he raised God, that God raised him from the dead. Not only that he is Lord, but that you have a future in him. That's the only thing. He says, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on basis of faith, that I may know him. And that's what I'm trying to get to. All this stuff, doesn't matter what it is, or how important I, I think it is, or how much value I've placed on it, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The fact that there's power in, the, in his life. Not the life he lived, but the life he, the life he is living. The resurrected life that, that he has placed inside of you 
the power for new life. That's the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, which is our calling every single day. in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. All of that to say, God is knowable. He wants us to know him. But in order to know him, we have to set aside everything we think we know, everything we think we've accomplished, everything we think we've achieved, count it as rubbish, put it in the trash, and chase after him through Christ and the power of the resurrection with everything that we have. Because that's life. That's where resurrection power comes from. That is the purpose of resurrection power. So that we might be new people, which is only possible as we know him. Why do I spend so much time with this? Just literally all of this is in my notes in two words. Know him. Because I didn't plan on talking, but through this text. <coughs> Excuse me. But the idea is that we have to know him. Why can't the church set itself on fire by the power of the Spirit and the Word of God so that the rest of the world will come and watch us burn? Because we should. We should set ourselves on fire by the power of the Word, understanding who we are, and create such an intensity around us that people can't help but come and watch it. That happens only as we know him. And he is knowable. The God that you serve is knowable. I could prove this to you in Scripture. Romans chapter 1. And you great theologians in the room know where I'm going already. Verse 18 starts like this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness or all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and righteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. There's just something in a man that knows that there's a God. You can deny it, but, but it's true. Even the, the people that have never heard the name of Jesus, the Plains Indians, the people in the worst parts of the jungles of Africa, South America. doesn't matter where you're from. You know that there's a God. They create gods because they know there is one. And it says, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. We are without excuse church God showed himself to us God reveals himself to us I tell the church pretty regular I tell you guys pretty regular go outside just watch the grass grow there is evidence that God exists there's a there's a friend of mine is a missionary his name is Jeff Gregory many of you know him well I don't know well he's a guy I know <laughs> I'm not sure where we are relationally we haven't talked in a while but uh, I guess we're all right but anyway, he's a missionary, and he was telling me he was telling me about a story when he was in Africa, and they were at the this ain't right, but it's like the Wasabi tribe or something. <laughs> Maza tribe, <laughs> I knew Wasabi wasn't right. 
Right. They had the hibachi tribe. And they were, they were in Africa somewhere. Hey, man, it's Lebanon. <laughs> and he, he was telling me a story that they went to one of these tribes just that, that never heard the name of Jesus. You guys hear this excuse. What, what about the people who never hear about Jesus? So he goes to one of these tribes, and they're talking. And he's using an interpreter. And he's telling them about the gospel. And all of a sudden, from the chief on down in this tribe, wherever it was, however many of them there were, fell down on his face along with all of his tribe and gave their life to the Lord. And Jeff was confused. He didn't know what was happening. He didn't know why it was happening. He couldn't speak their language, didn't understand it. It was, it was too emotionally driven, and there was too much stuff going on. He couldn't grab a hold of what was happening, except that they all fell on their face. And finally it calmed down enough, and he asked the interpreter, he said, what just happened? He said, they all just gave their life to the Lord. And one of them said, and the quote best I can remember it is, we always knew there was a God. We just didn't know what his name was. It doesn't matter. God will show himself to you. I was in a Zoom call teaching underground pastors, 43 of them, last year from, middle, from the Middle East. All of them from Muslim backgrounds, surrounded by Muslim people their whole life, never heard the name of Jesus except as a prophet through the Koran. Never. All 43 of them, listen to this, this isn't hyper-spiritualism, all 43 of them had a Christophany by which they came to Christ, which means that Christ appeared in spiritual form to them physically and said, this is who I am. A true Pauline moment where he says, it is me that you are persecuting. I am the God that you think you are helping. And all 43 of those pastors came to the Lord and pastored their own churches in Muslim communities right now, putting their own lives at risk because they had an idea that there was a God and God took the next step. So when people say, I don't believe there is a God or I don't know that, what, what about this person that, Never heard the name of Jesus. If you can believe there's a God, and you can because God put it into you naturally to believe such things, then if you can at least confess the fact that there's a God, I believe it is contingent upon God and that he will reveal the next thing to you. Because information always derives, if you pay attention to it, revelation. And revelation will build upon revelation, and ultimately you will come to a place where you understand, even if you didn't have any concept of the idea before, that Jesus Christ is real, that he's what to be, what's, is what's supposed to be grabbed a hold of, and he is the only answer if we are to know who God is. And that's, that's just good stuff. We didn't know, we always knew there was a God, but we didn't know his name. Man, how do we say there's no God? We can't say there's no God. Look around. I read a book on apologetics some years ago. And it says, you know, we, the simpler something is, the more likely that it could have been created naturally. Would you agree with that? The more complex, the more likely that there was divine intervention. It has to be that way. In order for the universe to work perfectly in every aspect and be perfectly synchronized and all that proves a higher power in existence, the fact that God is real. 
The smaller that scale becomes, the more likely it is that that could have occurred naturally. Bubbles in a stream occur naturally because the stream does what the stream does. It's just water with air in it. So let me ask you a question. If I found a glass bubble, just a ball, made of silica, sand, and it was perfect, and it was perfectly round, didn't have a single bubble, wrinkle, or anything in it, and you found it in the middle of the woods, would you assume that happened naturally or that someone made it and left it there? You would assume somebody left it there, even though it's very simple in its formation. Because even the simple things made perfectly prove the existence of a creator. Now you take that same ball, and I'm just reasoning with you, and you make it the size of a basketball. Is it more likely to have a creator or happen naturally? Or that same ball make it the size of this room, or the size of this state, or the size of the earth? It's still just basic components, but because it's perfectly, it proves the existence of a creator. Everything proves the existence of a creator. Certainly, the more complex it gets. Amen? And we are complex creatures. God is knowable. That's all I'm trying to say. God is knowable. We may not know what to call him. But the word will tell us. The word will tell us. that Paul in Athens, you guys are familiar with this, in Acts, comes across a statue that says, To the unknown God. He didn't say, that's stupid. What did he say? He said, let me tell you about this unknown God. And he took the time to explain to them the God that he knew. Why do I tell you God's knowable? For a bunch of reasons. One, you need to know that God holds you in his righteous right hand, that he hasn't forgotten you, that he loves you, that he's God that brings peace. He's a banner over you. He's your strength and your provision. <coughs> If he's any of his attributes, he's all of his attributes, or he's none of his attributes. He is perfectly who he is, or he's imperfectly nothing. And I know because I can see with my eyes that he's perfectly everything the Word says that he is. You can't add anything to him. You can't take anything away from him. Because to add to him would mean that he wasn't perfect before, and to take away means he's not perfect now. So which is it? He has to be perfect. And he delivers all of his promises perfectly. So why do I tell you that? I tell you that because you need to be able to tell other people that. Because you need to say, man, I serve a God that is known. How does I serve a God that can be known, that you can know, that has made himself available to you, that has made promises to you, that has caused you to not hurt in your pain. But even if you do hurt in your pain, promises to be that peace to you. If you will just seek after his face, if you will pray in supplication with a heart of thanksgiving, you will have the God that brings peace. That's what the, that's what the Word of God says in Philippians chapter 2. These are the promises of the Word. And if I can know God, you can know God. That's the great thing about pastoring. Is that I don't bear the weight of your revelation. There's no spend. Listen to me. I say this regularly enough. You should hear it. This isn't the first time. There's no special revelation for pastors. God didn't say, I got this information for you so that you can give it to somebody else. 
He said, I've got the Word of God. I've equipped you to study it, just like I've equipped everybody else to study it. Now, does it happen that I have more time to study it than you do? It's likely, because you have other jobs. But the God that I know, you can know. The God that I'm excited about, you can be excited about. The God that motivates me to get out here and tell other people about Jesus, you should be excited about getting out here and telling other people about Jesus. Because it's the same God. There is no special revelation. I love this out of Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 10. <clears throat> just so y'all got, just so you know, verses or chapter 3, 1 through 9, talks about the burning bush and how God reveals himself to Moses. You're probably familiar with that story from Sunday school, but God reveals himself to Moses in a burning bush and, and then gives him a call and gives him a mission. And that mission starts in 10. He says, Therefore, come now, and I will send you, a Pharaoh, send you to Pharaoh. So he's telling Moses, after 40 years in the desert, I'm going to send you back to where you came from, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly, I will be with you, and you shall be this, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. That's good. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Then Moses said to God, behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, who is his name? What shall I say to them? So he's asking, well, what am I supposed to say when they say, who are you talking for? Who sent you over here? And God said this. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Man, that's good. That's good. That's so good right there. Let me, let me break down why that's, all of that's so good. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my sons out of Israel, out of Egypt. Let me ask you a question. Why do you need to know God? Because somebody brought you out of the slavery of Egypt. Somebody moved you into the promised land. You didn't do that under your own power, under your own strength, under your own will. It was the mighty, powerful hand of, the, of God that delivered you from who you were. I don't care how long you've been in bondage before that, how many times you cried out to God when the Spirit of God comes upon you and reveals Himself to you. He is sending that you might be removed from your slavery. And that's what He did for you. We should be able to tell people about that. Why do I need to know God? The first thing I need to know, first, thing I, first reason I need to know who God is is because God saved me. Moses is a type of Jesus. That means a symbolic reference to Jesus. He went to God's people, saved them, and delivered them through their desert to their promised land. This is what God did in Christ Jesus for us. We were in bondage. We were in slavery. We were oppressed. We were all of these things. But God, through Christ Jesus, saved us brought us from who we are and commanded us to take off the old self, take off them slave clothes. You got no business with them slave clothes on. 
put on the robe of righteousness, move through your desert, whatever that happens to look like. Desert was good enough for Jesus. It's good enough for you. Maybe you can suffer through without blaspheming God or doing something crazy. Just walk through the desert knowing that God's got you. And then when you come out of that, move into your promised land. Know that you are heading where you're headed. This is your desert moment. Your life is your desert moment. But God saved you for your promised land, which is your eternal hope. Why do I need to know God? Because I need on days like I've had from time to time to know that this is just my desert. My pastor told me one time he, when I first got sick, all this liver stuff that I started dealing with about six years ago, he said, Jim, I'm praying for you, but listen to me. The size of your desert and the way you walk through it determines the size of your ocean. Man, that's why everybody needs a pastor. You know? Because I was like, you know what? You're right. It doesn't matter what I go through. There's an ocean at the end of this thing. You need to know God because you need to know there's an ocean at the end of this thing. Are you hurting? Are you struggling? Are you sick in your body? Are you got something going on? There's an ocean at the end of this thing. Put on your robe of righteousness. Take off that old self. Put on that new self. And walk through your desert like you got a God that holds you by his righteous right hand. That you got a God that is a strong tower, that hasn't forsaken you or forgotten you, that is your peace, that is your strong tower, your banner, all of these things that we've talked about. He is those things because the Word of God says he is those things. I feel like I'm ranting today, not preaching, but I hope you all are listening. Because I want you to know who you are. But you can't know who you are until you know who He is. Because the power that you carry isn't your power. The resurrection life in you isn't your resurrection life. The victory isn't your victory. People talk about spiritual warfare all the time. One of the main things we need to realize about spiritual warfare is that we fight from victory, not for victory. Victory's already been had. Anyway. Get all excited. In verse 11, he says, But Moses said to him, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Moses knew he wasn't good enough. You know what? I'm not good enough either. I'm not good enough to sit here. I'm not good enough to stand here. I've been a sinner. I've been a reprobate. I've been a drunkard, a whoremonger. You name it, man, I've done it. And at the time before I knew Jesus, I thought I was enjoying it. I had no idea it was bringing me to death, except that Christ revealed himself. So I ask myself all the time, who am I that you would use me? And God says, nothing. You're nothing. And that's exactly why I can use you. Because if you were somebody, if, you, if people thought you were somebody, you'd get the credit for it. But you're a loser, except for Christ Jesus. So I'm going to get all the glory for whatever you got going on. And to that, I say, Amen. And so should we. Why should I know God? Because I need to know that who I am isn't relevant. Which is why God never answers this question for him. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Let me tell you what the world wants. I ask that question. I want the world to just grab me up and say, oh, you're Pastor Jim, man. We love you. You're awesome. You're articulate, rustically handsome. You know, I mean, they never say any of those things, but that's what I want. You know what God says? Nothing. 
doesn't matter who you are. I can use you anyway. Verse 12, he says, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign that it is that I have sent you. He didn't say any of those things about Moses. Oh, Moses, don't worry about it, baby. I've been preparing you since the day you were born. I put you in a river, man. I let you get raised up in Pharaoh's house so you have an education. You know, I, you, got, you, you got high friends in high places. Sit you out here in the desert to groom you and speak to you spiritually out of this burning bush. God's all, Psh. he's sweating you, man. Nobody's worried about you. You're just a pizza box. Just a grocery bag. Just deliver what I tell you to deliver. And he says, certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. You want to know why we need to know he's knowable? Because you can't worship what you don't know. God, it's so good. I don't know how people worship without reading their word. What are you worshiping? I worship the revelation of God that I get through his word. The more I know, the more I want to talk about. Any, any reading of the word that doesn't end in worship probably isn't a true reading and reflection of the word. You're reading the word for information. Ask God to reveal himself, and he will. I love that I've actually got these verses written down. Hold on. <laughs> that this is true in John 9, 35 through 38, when Jesus heals the blind man. Jesus heard that they had, it, that they had put him out. Finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, so see, he, he's hearing the voice of God. Doesn't have the revelation of God yet. Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. How many of us are comfortable with the information? We hear the voice of God. We don't allow the voice of God to create revelation of God in us. We read the Word of God, but we don't allow the Word of God to create revelation in us. And then when revelation happens, we should do exactly what the blind man did, or the man that was previously blind, which is fall down on our face. Amen? We see this with Peter. <clears throat> when he first meets Jesus, he's on the banks, just got done night fishing. Sea of Galilee is a night fishing sea. You don't see anybody fishing out there in the day. It's too hot. Fish don't bite in the day. After a long night, he comes up on the bank. Jesus says, hey, why don't you go out there a little bit more and cast your net? I'm paraphrasing, of course. And he goes, yeah, we've been doing this all night, man. Hey, fish ain't biting. He said, just cast your net. He said, nevertheless, at thy word, Lord. But he wasn't talking about Lord God. He was just talking about Lord Rabbi. It was a, it was a, at thy word, Rabbi. At thy word, person of respect. And so he did it because out of respect, he didn't want to offend the rabbi. 
And then he got the great catch. And then this happened. But when Peter, Peter, Simon Peter saw that, the great catch, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. His, his information became revelation. His revelation caused him to realize how insignificant, how horrible, and what a sinner he was. And in that understanding, he fell before God and declared him truly Lord, which is Christ Lord, which means that he accepted God for who he is. Why? We see it again and again and again, the demoniac, even full of demons, recognized, had revelation of who Jesus was and fell on his face. And then after he was free, worshipped him. The natural response to knowing who God is should be that we worship him. Why is it necessary that he be known? Because he deserves our worship and we can't worship him if we don't know who he is. And I just, like I said at the beginning of this thing, I want to I set you on fire for the word of God. I don't know how to do it. I've been trying for six years. I just read your word, read your word, read your word. Pray that Ephesians 1.17. You guys hear me say it all the time. I don't always reference the verse. But I... My prayer almost every beginning of every service is, God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I might know you better. That's a paraphrase of Ephesians 1.17 that Paul prayed over the Ephesian church. I want wisdom. I want revelation. Not just so I can know you better, but so that this can happen. So that others might know you too. And going back to Exodus 3 and 13, it says that Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Why do I pray for spirit and wisdom, of wisdom and revelation? Why do I want you to know God? Not just for you. Not just so at the end of your day, no matter how hard or tough it's been, you can know that God is a God that comforts and loves and secures and is compassionate and cares about you. But so that you can go to your people, the people in your circles of influence, and say, I am. Send me to you. Well, who's I am? I am peace. I am hope. I am love. I am compassion. I am tenderness. I am the sanctifier sent me to you. What's your need? What's your struggle? What is it, and in what place do you feel insufficient? I am is sufficient in that area for you. I am your healer. I am your confidence. I protect the borders and hold you securely. This is, this is the God that we serve. And people should know about the God that we serve. Amen? That's my prayer. Not just that he be knowable because he is. I don't have to pray that. But that we know him, search after him, get wisdom and revelation so that we might be able to cause other people through a declaration of the gospel to have that same understanding because it's by the power of the gospel. It doesn't matter how articulate you are. I can't, I can't tell you the number of people I've seen jack the gospel up or jack their words up but still said the gospel and gave their life to the Lord. 
if you have an understanding that you're a sinner, but Jesus Christ came to solve that problem for you, and the only thing you have to do to acquire it is declare Jesus Christ as Lord, believe in God, raised him from the dead, that's the gospel. And that ain't hard. God's capable. Let him be known to you first and then to everybody else. Amen.